0: you're listening to payments innovation a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments you've come to the right place let's get into the show
1: hello everyone this is kara hayward the host of the payments innovation podcast bringing to you the fintech karaoke series focus on partnerships in the fintech community I'm so excited today to have Itai Damti from UNIT. Welcome, Itai. He is the CEO and co-founder. Could you quickly just give a little background about yourself and UNIT for our listeners?
0: Sure. It's great to be here, Kara. Thanks for inviting me. My name is Itai Damti. I'm co-founder and CEO at UNIT. I am New York-based, but Israeli by background. The problem that UNIT solves is that building banking is still too hard. The solution we offer is a simple and powerful banking-as-a-service platform. We help companies launch bank accounts, cards, payments, and lending in weeks. And maybe just to tell you a bit more about the problem in depth, what companies have had to go through in the last five, 10 years when they wanted to to build banking was basically deal with three big sources of brain damage, if you will. One is they had to find the bank relationships and, and manage those bank relationships, and it's pretty complex. The second is that they had to stand up a compliance team, 15 to 20 compliance policies, and they had to operationalize them and go pretty deep on compliance. And the last thing, which is usually an afterthought, but it's very important, is they had to build a lot of tech to take a banking product to market. So regardless of whether you want to launch a checking account, a card, a payments product or lending products, you would have to do all of the above. There are different flavors to solving the problem, and that's what banking as a service stands for. Our own flavor is owning all of the above. Bank relationships, compliance, and tech, in a way that leaves our clients with uh, APIs and dashboard, they can use to launch in several weeks and not years, which was the case before.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah, because I think... A lot of our listeners do, you know, they hear the term "baking as a service, but I think it means a lot of different things out there. And there's definitely a lot of providers, but each tip kind of has their own take on it. That's fantastic. So, and actually for our listeners that don't necessarily exactly know what banking as a service is yet and i think from for us it's kind of (laughs) in our brains right but if you could maybe just provide that example of what what exactly it is i mean i know you mentioned you know putting compliance together with the tech Mm -hmm. and the banking relationships but what is it that you're actually trying to power and could you talk Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit about the customers that would utilize your platform
0: Mm -hmm. so i think it's worth taking a step back and, and really trying to understand the different blend of fintech builders today and in the next five to 10 years than, than what, what it was before. So we look at the evolution of fintech in the last 10 years, right? Since 2008, the financial crisis, we have a first generation of fintech companies that we call fintech 1.0 which are pure play fintech companies right venmo lending club betterment Wealthfront, acorns all these companies what's common to all of them is they they've taken one product in, in their respective department and they decided to innovate on that product and beat the incumbents at, at getting scale and, and owning market share and that's the first generation and there are some success stories that have come out of that wave Uh, There are also hundreds of companies that tried to fight with incumbents and basically lost and and died because it's very hard. Economies of scale, distribution, etc. That's the old fintech way. We think what's starting now is a different way to think about fintech in which companies build fintech in their product as a feature. So on one side of the spectrum, you have younger companies that have a vertical focus, maybe companies that go after the freelancer segment that have a very specific combination of software product and financial features they want to launch. So that's one flavor of the demand. Another flavor of the demand is we have a lot of clients who are bigger companies. Some names who are not clients are Uber and Shopify, who are pretty famous for getting into financial services. And these companies want to take advantage of the economies of scale and the the distribution they have, and they want to lower friction, give more value, capture more value, monetize. And so we see a lot of different kinds of flavors of demand. We think there's a big difference between the old generation in fintech, which is pure play fintech companies, and the new generation of fintech, which are companies that do it almost as a a quick uh, exercise in giving value and and entering deeper into uh, financial services. So I can tell you more about the use cases in a second, but... Just a couple of things to point out. We see definitely more builders in this wave of companies because there are so many successful software companies that have been spinning the flywheel of distribution, trust, software data for five to 10 years. Now they want to capitalize on these assets. So the the list of companies is much, much bigger. The second thing is that they have a different DNA. It's very different for a company to grow banking into an existing product than to start Chai, which is a fintech 1.0 type of game. And so the DNA of the builders is different. They ask for something more plug and play. And then I also believe personally that many of these fintech 2.0 companies have a higher chance of being successful than the first wave of fintechs, because they're no longer fighting against incumbents in the distribution game. They have an unfair advantage in the form of data, software, trust, distribution that they can leverage into being successful happy to give a couple of examples, but that's kind of the theme as to who is building on top of unit and how it's it's different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I w- I, w- I think I would love to jump into some examples in mm-hmm. a minute here, but maybe what we could dive into first is just talking a little bit about what unit brings that's a little unique to the other players in the system. So first, if you could just talk about you know the emergence of these banking as a service platforms and mm-hmm. what the What that industry looks like today. Um, I know you mentioned the 1.0 versus 2.0. I think Mm -hmm. banking as a service as a term didn't even exist about five years ago or more, Mm -hmm. right? So if you could talk a little bit about that, and then really what makes you unique compared to some of the other players? I think Mm -hmm. you've slightly touched on it, but I want to dig a little deeper.
0: Sure. So let's look at the history of how people have built fintech in the last 10, 15 years. There are three different evolutions of of how this space is, is looking. First step was for companies to go to banks and then go through what I mentioned. One is managing the bank relationship. The bank that was probably the most synonymous with that phase was Bancorp, right? Bancorp is still a pretty successful bank in in banking as a service. You had to go to them, manage a five-year relationship with them, and, and basically negotiate commercials. That's one. Second, as I mentioned, you have to write and operationalize between 15 and 20 compliance policies, including InfoSec, privacy policy. KYC, KYB, AML, complaint management, the list goes on and on. And so you had to write all these policies and you had to hire four, five, six people that can then operationalize and take care of them day to day. The last piece that I mentioned was technology, right? You had to, if you wanted to build something like Chime, which was built on top of Bancorp, you had to take responsibility for owning a lot of the ledgering pieces and the KYC pieces and the fraud prevention pieces. And you had to cobble it all together and make a simple and consistent product out of that. So I just described the problem again, but our approach and and the way we think about it is is that we want to bundle all of that. So what happened after the old days of going direct to the bank was that some companies like Galileo said, we can give to the banks or to the chimes a middleware component. That's the second uh, step in that evolution. By giving them the middleware component, they made some of the card issuing and ledgering pieces a bit more simple for both sides. But what they neglected to do was to take care of the bank relationship. It was still the game of finding a bank, trusting that they have a Galileo and and then building on top of them. But they also neglected the compliance issues, right? You still had to write all these compliance policies and operationalize them. And it's a big burden for these companies. And so what Unit does is the third step in that evolution, which is a platform. We have all the elements built in compliance, tech and bank relationships. And so all of the steps that I've mentioned are not applicable to working with us. The idea of working with UNIT is signing up on the website, spinning up a bunch of accounts and cards and payments and and even cash advance and lending and going to market within weeks and not months. I would say that in the competitive landscape that you see today in the market, you have companies like UNIT that act more like platforms and you have companies that are still in the business of believing and selling middleware and and small components you can use when working directly with a bank. We think it's important to work with banks in some cases, But we see the majority of the companies in the market not asking so much about about bank relationships as much as they they ask about getting to market quickly and doing it on a tech stack they like. So that's how we differentiate. There are more companies in our category. We believe the market is very nascent still and we expect it to grow very, very rapidly. We also get excited about growing the market. I think that the old tools don't really have the potential to grow the market. I think they capitalize on some organic growth to the market. Companies like Galileo have been, quite successful just by capturing demand across neobanks. But what I think unit can do, you can educate and create a new generation of builders that feel empowered because it's so much simpler.
1: That's awesome. I think that that's a really good point too and I, I think a lot about scalability as well right where you know to your point the 1.0 you had to scale people right and, and other types of resources where you know obviously as you grow you, you always have to add some people but but you're really trying to make it a a, pl- a true plug and play where you're not having to deal with adding another compliance person for every you know x number Absolutely. of users that you have right so
0: yes that's and path. i think I think it's important to grow your company in the right direction, right? So, what we offer companies that are not yet sure if they're going to be successful in banking is that they don't need to have that headcount and they don't need to wait before they get into the space. What we offer to other companies at scale is that you know I've seen from the inside of the unit how it how do you grow a compliance team, a fraud prevention team that scales with the customer base. So. If I'm thinking about this problem as, as something that every growing company is suffering from, it's better to leave this job in the hands of a specialized, concentrated, efficient player-like unit rather than trying to do it yourself. Compliance is neither differentiated nor easy. So yeah. if the combination is undifferentiated and hard, you want to give it to someone else because that's not shouldn't be your core business, shouldn't prevent you from succeeding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And- It's interesting. you mentioned it's undifferentiated. And I agree with that from a value prop or like distribution perspective. But Mm -hmm. I do find in this industry that the nuance of compliance is what makes it hard. And so I think that having that expertise on staff, like I I know very, you know, intimately that you have a wonderful compliance team that has years and years of experience and understands all these different business models, which is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And you become almost like the the expert, right? Or the consultant in that space. That's actually the technology. That's Mm -hmm. great. So maybe now we can uh, touch a little bit on like some of the types of customers that you are mm-hmm. seeing build off the unit platform. Um, you've mentioned two use cases thus far. Mm-hmm. One, which is the someone just trying to dabble, right? Get to market, test test out maybe a banking uh, scenario. Is this worth it mm-hmm. or not? Maybe they're a startup. And then the larger companies that are already looking to further capitalize on uh, the the client base they've acquired and and bringing them more value-added services. So mm-hmm. maybe if you could just touch on a few of those different segments in a little more detail, that'd be great.
0: Yeah. So the mentality is very different between the two. Slicing the customers by size and mindset is one way to do it. We tried not to take uh, the, the stance about what types of products people are going to build on unit because we're a platform, uh, and so we have clients from all sorts of, of backgrounds and, and industries. Some of the I, I would say high-level clusters we're seeing in our customer base, uh, freelancers. So, banking and banking products for freelancers have been a huge scene in the last couple of years, and I think it's we're only at the beginning of that that era of of the entire workforce turning into a freelance workforce. Some companies have identified, and I can share some names because they're public as customer stories. Companies like Lance and Moves have built on Unit tools that are unique to freelancers. And so, as I mentioned before, they don't take a dumb bank account to market, right? Those companies are investing a lot in the experience and in the problems that are unique to that space. Some of the problems that freelancers face are faster access to cash. If I'm driving an Uber and I know how much I made this week, but I haven't been paid yet, it's an opportunity for one of these companies to step in and cash advance me the amount that I expect to get paid. So that's one one way to think about value. Another way to think about value is in the past, people struggle to differentiate between their personal finances and their business finances so those companies give them a place to consolidate their business finances and think about it as as a separate wallet for business purposes that helps me to optimize. Tax payments is a huge problem for people who are independent workers. They need a way to calculate, set aside funds for tax payments, and then the IRS knows how to build those accounts at the end of the quarter. So that's another feature that they offer with units cashbacks and and relevant rewards expense tracking the list goes on and on and so that's really a solid cluster of features that we see emerging in freelancers that we're very excited about that was the first vertical that we saw very clearly in our customer base another type of vertical is is what we call the business operating systems and that's where the largest clients come into play which is what if you dominate a specific industry let's say the restaurant industry as it comes to software, or what if you provide tools that to do invoicing, scheduling, and, and project management for small businesses? You're in a great position to introduce banking into this mix and basically give more value and capture more value and see more data and finance. And so we have a lot of clients right now that are winning their respective industries as it, as it comes to being the operating system for those businesses and are trying to introduce banking. To provide the missing piece for payments and expense tracking, et cetera. So these are two business-related use cases that I, I can mention. One company in this space, by the way, they're not, they're only in early days, but we really believe in their product is Withus. Withus is a company that helps independent uh, creators who are uh, who want to collaborate over a project, a website designer, website builder, a copywriter, form a, call it a one-time syndicate for project purposes. Get paid, split payments between them, manage the expenses, and then move on to their next product, project. That's a really good example for a business uh, operating system of sorts.
1: That's awesome. I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that use case, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really, really great the way that you're kind of breaking it down from that segmentation perspective because I think. That's where a lot of the incumbents have really fallen down, I think, in the past is the digital experience that truly understands mm-hmm. that vertical inside and out and really in, and provides not just the, the front end experience, but the back-end capability completely embedded. And so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited to see more of these use cases come out. That's awesome. So, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about, I think one thing that's unique about unit, and again, you know, this space is constantly developing, but there's not a lot of banking as a service platforms that provide the wide array of products and services Mm -hmm. that you do, right? I think um, you have really built pretty quickly in terms of the card space, right? The loan space, accounts, and, and others. And, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your vision around the entire platform, what partnerships may actually provide to you in terms of that expansion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just your vision on that would be wonderful. Mm -hmm.
0: So two two observations we have as far as as the financial products is one, I think the, the universe of financial products that we could offer is quite bounded because the list of financial products in the market is not that huge. We think about it in four buckets, right? Accounts, cards, payments, and lending. Many things you see in the space are permutations or extensions of those ideas. So we've covered those bases, and I think we will go deeper in all of them. But yes, we do believe that there is a finite universe of financial services. We think the magic is not in providing those financial services in a commoditized way. We think the magic is in baking them into vertical operating systems, as I mentioned, or doing more innovation on the automation, the experience, the software experience that goes around them. I think also there is an interesting case in for rebundling and more types of financial services. I see a lot of the uniqueness of FinTech 2.0 in the rebundling effect. So, in the past, people said there was a, an unbundling of the bank and a rebundling of the bank. And I think it was one of the trillion dollar questions of FinTech 1.0 what is going to happen? What I think is unique to FinTech 2.0 is that once you serve, let's say, small businesses or restaurants or furniture shops or barber shops, you have a, an ongoing rebundling mentality because you have a checking account for them today, and you have a loan account for them tomorrow because you can see more about their business expenses, their uh, staffing, their invoices. And then the next day you may add a credit card. And then the next, next day, you may add another types of, type of financing and payment. So I think that what's unique to our era of FinTech and the, the reason UNIT chooses to be pretty vast in the financial product is that on a long enough timeframe, many of these companies will need all of the financial products and they would want to build in one stack and that's why we chose to be quite deliberate about offering more and we know that it comes at a cost right less focus if you will on every vertical but we think that the bundled mentality the idea of bringing the full catalog to relationships is very powerful you mentioned partnerships so yeah. we take a pretty deliberate approach about partnerships. We obviously have a pretty high profile partnership with Currency Cloud that helps our clients expand into a difficult space that Unit doesn't plan to do itself, which is international payments. We have other partners like Plaid. Plaid communicates with us in two different ways. One, every account on Unit becomes visible to the outside world. And so if you have an account on Lens, which is the freelancer company I mentioned, and you want to connect it to QuickBooks or Gusto or Expensify or Cash App or Venmo, this is going to be visible in, in the Plaid user interface. That's one type of integration. We also know how to link accounts that sit on Chase or Citi via Plaid to the unit ecosystem and send funds to and from them. So that's that's another flavor of integrations. We have another one with Abound that helps calculate taxes for freelancers. And we generally think that unit is a platform game more than we realized when we started, because there are so many cool extensions of the platform that you can build once you identify someone else that you can plug in. So. Yeah. That's we awesome.
1: Well, and it allows you again, like to your point, taking the approach to have the the various different financial services offerings. It allows you to do that kind of build by partner analysis as you're creating more scalability and that operating system mentality, right? Where maybe, you know, you guys are very, very good at the compliance piece and building out the actual like payments and and accounts, but maybe someone's already built that tax platform and it makes Mm -hmm. way more sense to partner and you can go to market much quicker. So yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. Perfect. Well, I think the last thing I kind of want to hear from you is maybe just sort of your Thought, you know your your longer term outlook, right? So I want to hear a little bit from you because you see a lot of different use cases. Mm-hmm. What what areas do you think are still kind of underserved or under invested in? That's probably not even mm-hmm. the right word, but places that you could see there being a lot more improvement in the future.
0: So I did mention the the universe of financial products is quite finite, right? the way I see it. And I think there's so much more to do on the software side than on the financial product side. But I will mention two flavors of financial product expansion that excite me personally. I think what has happened in terms of banking as a service in the last two or three years is that there has been a lot of focus on debit cards and accounts and payments, which are kind of intertwined because a debit card is a spending device from a checking account. So that makes sense. But I think there is a growing appetite among software companies that have data to launch credit products, which I think are the ultimate demand that's going to make this ecosystem 20x, 50x bigger. So I think credit as a space is something that really excites me when I think about credit cards for consumers, for businesses, but mostly for businesses, really. And when I think about the ability to give loans to help build credit, we get super excited because we see how much data clients have about their customers and how much appetite they have to own more, more of the upside. And I do see a future in which many companies grow a desk in the company, like the, the credit desk or the lending desk. They don't need to have 20 people on this desk, but they need to have some qualified data scientists. They need to be able to look at their business data and make decisions and then communicate with unit or with whatever their financial infrastructure is to facilitate those loans and keep track of their lifetime. So that's one big theme that I think will define banking as a service, or at least the most interesting part of banking as a service in the next two, three years. I think there is still a tremendous opportunity in international expansion. We took our previous company to 20 plus markets globally in fintech. We know how nuanced it is. And I bet that unit is going to be much harder because banking is a heavily regulated industry in every country. And so I think there is a lot to do when it comes to empowering different builders globally, but we're trying to take a thoughtful approach to what is the next step and how do we want to expand into other countries?
1: That's fantastic. Well, I love I love hearing that, obviously, right? Being <laughs> from Currency Cloud, but I think we, we see it too, right? In terms of there's a lot of demand currently that we see in terms of whether it's U.S. fintechs looking to expand overseas, or we're seeing a lot of European fintechs where they've kind of yeah. tapped out their markets and looking to that next U.S. expansion or other countries and that expertise and that ap- capability to provide as seamless experience as possible, but understanding the different regulatory, even also mm-hmm. just, just the different consumer and business appetites mm-hmm. in terms of what mm-hmm. they Yes,
0: so that will Absolutely. definitely be an
1: interesting space for sure.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and I think I think the the demand we see right now is the tip of the iceberg. I'm going to use an example from a different space, which is Stripe and payments acceptance. We've seen how one player that has the right rails and the right access layer, how much they can grow a market and educate a market, and and be really be omnipresent in their in their space. And so I think that. Even if you speak to 50, 60, 70 companies from different markets globally that want to build banking, I believe that once you launch banking in those markets, the number will grow 50 to 100x just by virtue of that infrastructure being there. People can imagine what they want to build. People can fund what's getting built in all these markets. So I think we need to squint a little bit. We need to take a leap of faith for those markets that haven't been served yet with banking as a service. But I think there's a huge creative energy in, in multiple large markets for that. And we see Local banking as a service players growing, obviously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited for that too. And I agree, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up today?
0: So I actually thought what would be the best way to explain the philosophy and the advantages that we would like to bring to the market. Unit has a unique philosophy when it comes to speed and and helping companies focus on what matters. We look at this space a little bit differently. We, We try to own a lot of the painful elements, as I mentioned, the compliance and the fraud and the bank relationships, so that companies can focus on what matters. We took a unique approach to ledgering, which we think gives our clients a lot of flexibility. And so just ending it with a note of come build on unit, we have a public sandbox you can sign up for. It's very quick to prototype. We have a new product called Unit Go that lets anyone spin up bank accounts in minutes without even going through this week's process. And we can't wait to see what gets built on top of UNIT.
1: Wow, that's exciting. Well, yes, as you, as you heard, definitely check out UNIT. And uh, you know they've been, I think, wonderful partners in this space today. So Itai, thank you so much for joining us on the Payments Innovation Podcast and forward to talking to you soon.
0: Thanks, Kara. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.